When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Irish Illustrated Insider is sponsored by VisitSouthBend.com. Is it time to check a Notre Dame home game off your bucket list? Has it been too long since you've soaked in the game day atmosphere in person? Whether it's for the first time ever or in a while, start planning your trip to South Bend to watch the Fighting Irish with ideas and inspiration at VisitSouthBend.com. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. Hope everybody had a, a great Easter weekend. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated. We're joined by Pete Sampson from The Athletic. It's Monday, April 10th. We are down to seven spring practices before uh, that's including the Blue Gold game on April 22nd. So we're eight in. Two more this week. Interviews with the defensive line on Wednesday and then the offensive line um, on on Friday. Um we had the safety since since our last podcast. We had we had interviews with uh, interviews with the safeties. Uh, I guess especially running backs were the, were later in the week. And and uh, um, Dela McCullough always always confident uh, running backs coach for Notre Dame. And and I spent some time with Audric Estime. I just love that kid, man. He's just a bright light, optimistic. Looks to be in tremendous shape. Uh, he is in tremendous shape, according to himself and everybody around him. Uh, you guys had an opportunity to 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 go through some of those comments. Tim, what were your thoughts? Yeah, the, um, before Dalina McCullough, I was I was pretty surprised listening to um, or reading about Chris O'Leary's comments about the safeties room, especially starting with that there's no weak links. But I wanted to kind of look at that from a coaching perspective. Is in his mind, he can put the guys in. And last year, he probably wondered who he could put in. And that's where the weak links were. I mean, I, you're, I, not, you're not reading this as like, there's no weak links for playoff. No, that's exact, I think that's exactly it, Tim. Yeah, yeah. I so mean, I, I wanted people, I know that's a giant thing, because I put his quote up on the board. People are like, just as part of the story, people are losing their minds. Yeah, but yeah McCullough's, McCullough's, <laughs> McCullough's confidence is, uh, obviously, it's contagious for the room. I think all running backs are, are confident. They have to be at that position. But um, I, I I believe that he is warranted in his confidence. I mean, if you're able to move Chris Tyree out, you like the guys behind him too. It, it, it's even with Adrian Price. I mean, I think I was glad to hear Payne basically was injured all last year. We didn't know that. We, he didn't yeah. talk about that at all when we talked to him last year. Because um, a guy when a running back doesn't get in at all, you wonder about his ability. That doesn't happen very often. It's happened like even Kyron Williams. He got in. He decided he should redshirt, but he got in. Um, so when Payne started playing at the end of the year, it was kind of he had to at kick return. He had to come in and, and sub in. Um, it was good to hear that I think he could, like, compete now because I think you do need – you're going to need another runner. Diggs gets banged up. The way Estime runs, he's someday going to get banged up. And they just don't know if Price can be back yet. I love Jadarian Price, but who, we don't know how Jadarian Price will be next year as, as a yeah. running back off that. The uh, I would love to. Who has more confidence, Logan Diggs or Dylan McCullough? Dylan McCullough has more okay. confidence. Okay, <laughs> they, feed off each, they might feed yeah. off each other on it's like that. The, you're the best. No, you're the best. Um, <laughs> I yeah, the O'Leary comments when I read the you know, no weak links, I was like, what? Um, because that in the same interview where you're also talking about looking at the transfer portal and adding, um, those those two things are incompatible, but that is a, probably a I'm assuming that's how he meant it the way O'Malley is describing it, where maybe the floor is a little bit higher. Um, you know, you know a little bit more about Xavier Watts or a lot bit more about Xavier Watts, but um, I do, you know, that, cause I think that position, certainly it's um, even though there's been a lot of focus on the defensive line. And I think we get Al Washington. Is it Wednesday? Um, you know, the safety position in terms of how it's been recruited has been, I think, a real challenge there. Um, so I was interested to sort of hear from O'Leary because, I mean, he's he's a very – I think he's an optimistic person by nature um, in terms of how he presents himself, like very high energy all the time. Um, you know, so that – I mean, that position, 
you know, whether you're getting, you know, I don't know if you can get something from a, a Ben Minnick uh, down the road, um, you know, in, in a supplementary role this fall, but it, it certainly seems like a position. I know there's a question about Clarence Lewis, but the position where they, they definitely need at least one more body um, to, to sort of have a, a good flow at that, at that spot and have be, be comfortable with all your numbers. Yeah. I, you know, again, I, I look at things from a coach's perspective when I hear a coach speak and that's, I think that's what O'Leary was saying. He's got three guys now with experience. I mean, DJ Brown started 10 games last year. I think Xavier Watts is on the cusp of being a really, really good football player. And Ramon Henderson has to be better than he was with the experience that he got. So I think that's a, you know, the perspective he's coming from. I think we all, when we all hear that, we all have the same reaction because we know how people are going to react to it, but I understand where he's coming from. And I really do. And I'm really high on Xavier Watts. Um, we have a question a little bit later that we'll address that. And, uh, but yeah, they're short on bodies. I, I think we might be underestimating the presence of Thomas Harper, who we all know was brought in to be a nickel back, but O'Leary made the comparison or a reporter made the comparison for O'Leary between Harper and Sean Crawford, who was a nickel and also played a little bit of safety and extremely smart football player, as we learned during his career in Notre Dame. So, you know, and Harper's not not full speed and not doing any contact or anything this spring. But and then you have the two freshmen behind them who are both banged up. You know, I mean, Schuler's out with the, the shoulder. And then we came to learn that we, one one of the one of the safeties comment about guys were dropping like flies or they were losing guys. Apparently Ben Minnick suffered a broken thumb or something with his, with his hand. So they are, they were short on numbers when the spring started. They're even shorter right now in terms of healthy bodies, but I see where they're, they're, they're coming from there. I do want to talk about estimate a little bit more because I mean, he looks, he looks fantastic. He talked about, you know, adding muscle mass and losing body fat. I think that's been pretty obvious. Everybody that, that you brought estimate up, Two commented that he's quicker, he's faster, which you add that combination with his physicality, and it looks like this is a running back that's really, really, really ready to explode. And I say that after a 920-yard season last last year. So uh really love the 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 spirit that uh that Audric Estime represents. And uh he's gonna be a really good football, really good football player. Jadarian Price is Pete, you said it before we we went on the air. You talked to him during the recruiting process, and he's uh, he's a, a much older person maturity wise than a than a true freshman at Notre Dame. Oh yeah, I just he was, you know, late twenties uh, when I talked to him. So now I'm guessing he's in his early thirties in terms of just general <laughs> maturity. But uh, yeah, and I mean, I when you sort of profile kids in high school. I, I like talking to, you know, or the guidance counselors or teachers or just finding something outside of football and, uh, you know, very other centered, um, you know, into things other than football, um, which I, that's a real positive to me. And like, I mean, it's like, you think back to his recruiting, like he was going to Oklahoma state, most likely um, Notre Dame sort of found him a little bit on the later side. Um and man, it's, it would be hard. You'd be hard pressed to find a better sort of institutional fit uh, for Notre Dame than Jadarian price on top of the fact that, you know, when we all talked to people in the program last year, before he got hurt, that the thought was like, is he the best running back on the team? Mm-hmm. Might be, might be the best running back on the team. And that's, that's saying a lot based on how last season then played out. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think, Quick segue here. Logan Diggs was nowhere near the best running back on the team last spring, but he sure could be now. Logan Diggs was was excellent last year. He reshaped his body. I think Logan Diggs made such strides when he was injured to become stronger because he looked like a totally different human being when we saw him in the fall from when we saw him in the spring. Um, you guys mentioned Sean Crawford, and I think I want to give people a timetable here on Jadarian Price because if Price is all the way back, they have a great running back room, not just very good. It's already very good one-two punch. It would be great if he's all the way back, and he doesn't have to be all the way back in September. It's almost better if Jadarian Price works his way into the season because then it takes a toll. Then whatever toll goes on Logan Diggs and Audric Estime, he can relieve it as October, November come along. But Sean Crawford ruptured his Achilles week two of 2016. He came back and started 2017 and he was by far their best defensive back that year. That's the year before. That's when Gilman had to sit out. Um, 
Crawford, I remember, said, remember the Michigan State game? He had that incredible, he stripped guy going to the end zone. He had two picks. He was just a fantastic player. He said week eight, he started to feel fatigue in his Achilles. And he was just never the same the rest of the year. He kind of got lit up at Miami and he just he just was not the same player. So price July can be back. You figure July or August. They actually, though, have the benefit of price of being the third of the one, two, three punch, whereas Crawford was their best corner there. I think Jadarian Price can really help in October and November if they are kind of ease him along and don't put too much stress on him trying yeah. to compete for a starting job. Well, he said the other day that he was close to 100%. Now, that's a player that injured yeah. that's coming yeah. back, and that may not be completely accurate, but he has he has been running. He has been running in cleats. I'm sure it's all... It's all straight ahead stuff. Yeah. You know, he said, you don't, you don't forget how to run, but the first time you run after an Achilles, it's, I mean, oh, it's sure. impossible not to think, Hmm. Okay. Haven't done this in a while. Um, I do find that, you know, McCullough just gushes about him and you can imagine, I mean, you guys have been on teams. I mean, a coach that gushes about one guy, the teammates are probably rolling their eyes every time they hear or see a comment about, about Jadarian price again, but uh, McCullough in speaking to John Bryce, the special contributor to Notre Dame's, uh, website, uh, he used the term they call, I guess McCullough calls, uh, price the vet because he's so mature that wow. he's like a, like a veteran. So, you know what I'm talking about teammates rolling their eyes when they hear that stuff, but you know, McCullough gushes about him. You gushed about him last spring. And so, yeah, Tim, I, I mean, I think in terms of one, two punches, I have no idea what other teams across the country have. We're always, we're always, yeah, we're always first to say the best tandem in the country. Well, we have no idea about the other tandems in the country. However, that's a pretty damn good tandem. And you throw a healthy price into there. And I have a hard time that believing that there are too many three top three running back yeah. cores in the country that are better than that. Well, it's like, I mean, there's a, a, an O'Malley classic for the summer about like ranking the position groups by college football playoffs. Year six, Camping World Bowl. What are we even doing here? Uh, and I mean, certainly the running back room is like college football playoffs. Like, not you don't even have a discussion about it. You just right. say it and move on. It's that it's that good of a group. And it's a real one-two punch. Um, it's not Josh Adams gets hurt or CJ Procise gets hurt. Josh Adams comes in. Terry and Folston gets hurt. Somebody else comes in. They they use them as a one-two punch. And I think he will find a way if Price is fully ready. Use a one, two, three punch. They can just wait and they have the offensive line to do it. No doubt. Uh, speaking of health, Diggs, uh, he wouldn't specify said lower body, but we know it's a hamstring. He apparently did it on, uh, I believe it was Friday, March 24th, which would have been the second practice mm-hmm. of the spring. He's been out since then. He was hinting that he would be back this week and he would play. Um, I think he used the term most likely play in the spring game. We know what happened in the spring game last year to him. Uh, I don't see that there's any way that they put him out there this spring. That would be unnecessary, and especially considering what happened near the end of the blue goal game yeah. last year, which was yeah. such a significant setback for him with his shoulder. So, you know, keep him out. Uh, I would imagine they will continue to do that. Um Again, he also said he made Diggs made the comment about estimate he's more loose and he's a step quicker. So, you know, we're looking at, I mean, you get Diggs healthy and you put price in there. We're looking at a, an even better um, four of three than you had last year. So that'll be uh, that'll be something to look forward to. But I wouldn't anticipate Logan Diggs getting any live snaps here before the end of spring. You know, Jabron Payne is oh. going to have a great blue goal game. Yes, he probably will. He'll he'll uh, he did have he did have a long run a couple Saturdays ago on the key blocks thrown by Quinn Murphy and Tosh Baker on the left side of the there number you go. two nice left side of the number two offensive line. But we'll uh, we'll talk about that and many other things in segment two coming up, burning up the boards. Did you know that over ten million pints of Guinness are consumed every single day? Dublin is the home of this very famous Irish stout, where it's brewed, stored, and distributed worldwide. And if you're visiting Dublin, the Do Dublin Hop On, Hop Off bus tour is the perfect way to explore the city and its iconic landmarks, including the Guinness Storehouse. Book your tickets now at dodublin.ie forward slash Irish Illustrated to secure your spot on the tour. But hurry, spaces are filling up fast. 
Segment two, burning up the boards. Our first question is from Jim Booney, CRS. Who are some players that could leapfrog the presumed starter at the upcoming season? And he gives examples of Prince Kali jumping Maris Leofau or Gerald Ford jumping Riley Mills. <laughs> Gerald Ford, Tyson Ford, Benjamin Harrison, Benjamin Morrison. What's the difference? Um, I don't think Tyson Ford will jump Riley Mills. Like I start I d- off right there. No, I d- no, I don't see any chance of that happening. I mean, you you've invested a lot in Riley Mills. I mean, Riley Mills is an experienced football player, and I don't see that happening. I, I you know, last Monday I talked about I I thought Jason Anya did some things in the in the full open practice that looked pretty good. I would be more inclined to say that, but Jason Anya isn't going to jump Riley Mills either. He's fully inside at tackle. And a guy that, again, they've invested a lot in him. He's gained a lot of experience and he needs to take the next step up. I don't see, I don't necessarily see Kali jumping Leofile, but I certainly see much more of a timeshare possibility going into this season. I I, I don't think Billy Shrouth counts anymore. Um, yeah. No. So maybe we'll skip over that as jumping. Like, But could Christian Gray jump? kind of like a Jaden Mickey or take reps away from, you know, Clarence Lewis or not jump him, but like get in the rotation. That seems possible. And then I, I, I'm never, ever going to um, talk up a freshman receiver again, because just it's hard to get on the field, but like, you know, Rico Flores could get reps. Um, I, I think it probably fits into the Christian gray mold of like, is he jumping a guy or is he just earning some time? That means an older guy gets a little less time that that strikes me as a possibility. I agree with both. Christian Gray was the first one that came to mind. And yeah. um, as much as I, I do like Jaden Thomas and Deion Colsey and Tobias Merriweather, there's no reason if Rico Flores continues to do what we hear he does. And most guys don't, they will generally hit the wall. You can go back and to even to like guys like Lawrence Keys, who you did not think was going to make an appearance on this podcast. He was outstanding for two weeks in August, and then he never played. It just Rico Flores at some point, I assume will hit. He, he's built better than than Lawrence Keys to play college football right now, but I assume at some point he won't look like the most exciting player in the class. I think he'll just you know growth is not a straight line. But those are very good options, Christian Gray and uh, and Flores. Yeah, I think Flores is inspiring a lot of confidence in him, you know, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think he's going to fizzle out. You can certainly see in the first couple of weeks, him taking a step back as he, you know, he's in live competition and I get, would, would, would it be considered, uh, considered not that they play the same position, Rico Flores jumping Matt Salerno. I mean, in terms of reps on the field in games, certainly I the ability think he will end up doing i think he will end up doing that i i salerno was undervalued i don't mean in his ability just in what? the fact that they could trust him last year and notre dame fans don't understand they couldn't trust anybody else except for Lindsay, maybe so yeah. he was an undervalued player they needed out there but well, now or, i think or, i mean it, it, tyree i mean tyree's yeah. in the slot you know right, um, right. He did not he did not have a good practice a couple saturdays ago but that's one practice and you're i'm not going to completely overreact to one practice we have seen just a a snapshot of what's happened in the spring. And there have been some good things uh, uttered about Chris Tyree by, by other people, by players um, for whatever that's worth, you know, but we didn't see it in the, in Saturday, but uh, wow. Um, you know, I mean, you really, I mean, for Tyson Ford to jump Riley Mills, he'd have to be really, really good. And if he was really, really good to jump him, that would be great. But that's not really the way you want it all to how unfold. You want Riley Mills to be the man this year, right? And Tyson Ford and or Anya or whoever to take a step up and start g- gaining their experience. So I'll throw out other options I don't believe in, but this is maybe in the spirit of the question. Like Gabriel Rubio splitting time with Howard Cross instead of backing up Howard Cross. I was that, just going to mention that. That's the type I, of that was yeah. That's the that's not a jump, but like. If they were a little bit more even, I think that would be very healthy for Notre Dame's defensive line. Well, I think you're going to see them playing together, a Rubio three technique. And, you know, ideally, I think we all understand the cross is best suited for three technique, you know, because he's not very big and he's very, very quick off the snap of the ball. And he's got boxing gloves for hands. Yeah. Fists. So 
you want that. But in the in the in the full open practice, they were playing simultaneously, uh, and they were good. I mean, I I thought. I mean, Riley Mills will be playing. will be playing alongside one of them, though. Too. That's very true. But it it was Cross and Rubio that were getting. From what I saw, and again, I'm trying to watch everything that's going on, but it looked like they were getting most of the mm-hmm. most of their reps together. And we know Cross is in the starting lineup, but they need. <laughs> I mean, they need Mills. They need Mills to. I mean, he really, really needs to come of age. If he comes of age. And it looks like Rubio is with Cross, and then maybe you get a little something on you. Now you got, now you have something going there between the ends. Um, but in the in the full open practice, the D line whipped the offensive line, and I just think that that was, you know, offensive lines. You can say, oh, they're going to be great this year. You insert two uh, two new offensive guards. I know one Christophe gets has started, but with a with a new coach. And during that practice, the defense kept inserting. They kept working on okay, let's do this blitz, let's do this split. When they were, when they were broken down by offense by themselves and defense by themselves. So when they did go live, they were throwing a lot at the offensive line. They just they flat didn't handle it. They didn't handle it at all. One so, guy that I th- throw out, I just wanted um, moving Kaiser more inside and playing Jalen Seed more is not a jump per se, but that is a where I could see a young guy like wow, this guy sort of displaced a veteran, but not really. Um, and that would be Kaiser maybe playing a little bit more than Leah. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And then you get more of a true three-man rotation inside with those guys with, with Bertrand and Leah Fow mm-hmm. and Collie. And I guess that, that's more of a four-man rotation, but yeah, Snead. Um, I, <laughs> I just did, um, you know, the Athlon publication, they, they want their, they want their fall preview done the yeah. first week of April. So I got it to him. I got it to him last week. And, and, uh, you know, you just, you, you try to make the best of it that you can. Um, but you're not, you're not, we're, we're just not absolutely sure at this point, especially, you know, halfway through the spring. So I think there's a question about what's the most overblown thing in spring ball. We'll get to that here coming up. Um, uh, uh, in, in one of the questions come up. Anyway, moving on to CMU Pens fan. How much do you think the first three games of the Notre Dame schedule works in its favor this year? Last year, so much was put into Ohio State, and that loss led into the Marshall loss. And poof, season over. I think it's great. It greatly aids that it's not as fun for us or fans because boy, that was a really fun summer leading into the Ohio State game, just like it used to be when it lead into the Michigan game a few years ago. But it's a much better idea. Uh, for a college football program with any aspirations to start with Navy, Tennessee State. Get Central Michigan in there. Um, I mean, I forgot Central Michigan was right before Ohio State. To be honest, I've I've tried to avoid the uh, summer writing list of looking at the schedule. I kind of forgot NC State was wedged in there. That's uh, it's a, This is how you're supposed to start a schedule, and it's not pathetic like some teams start schedules. There, there's There's ways to start a schedule and ease into it, and there's what Michigan did last year. And I think they might be doing it again this year. But those it would have been great if Notre Dame could have done this last year. It just would have been less fun for us. I mean, it would have been a great way to start the schedule last year if Notre Dame won. Right. I mean, so that's like when you put everything into that first game. I don't know. I think they would have lost the second game still, Pete. You think if they beat Ohio State, they would have lost to Marshall? I think they might have. Yeah. I just don't think they were that good. Yeah. That's an interesting hypothetical. Um, yeah. I think this is a, the, this is a better way to start the year. Um, because, you know, I've, I've mentioned this a ton of times, like I'm not saying this is a, this makes the first successful season, but it's one of the markers of a successful season that when the first playoff bowl comes out, Notre Dame is in the mix. And that was taken off the table by what, September 10th last year. So right. Right. yeah, <laughs> it, yeah, that NC state game is the tricky. That to me is like the tricky trap game. Um, that we all talk about all summer and we'll see how it plays out, but that's uh, it's a good way to sort of build towards Ohio state opposed to like, "Ah, let's just see what you got in game one. Yeah. O'Malley, I don't give a damn how exciting the first couple games are. I want them to be two and all. And I mean, I hear, I hear what you're saying. Go to Ohio state. That was, that was an awesome experience, but I'd rather they open with Navy and, and Tennessee state and at NC state, you know, I, hell, I'd take Central Michigan in Game Three and then NC State 
in game four, although that would make, you know, the Ohio state game in game five, a little bit more difficult, but um, you know, going to NC state is not going to be easy for Notre Dame. I realize that they've been beating up on the ACC, you know, for, for several years now, but if you, if you, like, if you look at this ACC schedule, this is this on paper looks tougher than the ones that they faced in recent years. Yeah. That's a good, it'd be good just to go back and study what we thought of them going into years. Cause boy, they have certainly fizzled during the years. I mean, because you know, you, who is at the head of the ACC right now, NC state's up there. Duke had a really quality year for them last year. Louisville finished strong. They now have the coach that they wanted Pittsburgh's a physical team. You know, that at Clemson and wake forest has been good. I mean, this is the most on paper. This looks like, you know, I have, didn't look back at the last couple of years, but I know that they didn't, they vir- they're virtually playing all the front runners in the ACC, at least last year. Yeah. I mean, Florida state is good. Good again. Florida state. Absolutely. They don't have the dregs of the league. Like usually it's, I feel like they've been averaging sort of two awful ACC teams uh, per year. And this year I, they sort of don't have any. So it's like, it's the leader of the league and then teams that are all probably going to finish eight and four. Um, How about this guys? When we leave Duke at either 2 AM, if they kill us and make that an 8 PM game or 6 PM, if we get a nice little nooner, Notre Dame will have played half its schedule on September 30th before you go to bed. How about that? Six games. How about that? Ending on September wow. 30th. <laughs> That's, That's a Monday music fun. I didn't write going in right there. I just. Yeah. By weeks on October 21st before yeah. Pittsburgh and November 11th before Wake Forest. Uh, well, by week after USC, by week after at Clemson. Yeah. So that. that it's a strange one. That works it, out. It gives it really is good for your tail of the tape production there, pretty sure. <laughs> no doubt about it. <laughs> Next from Dallas Irish 83, based on remarks from Jared Parker and some of the players, it doesn't sound like the offensive playbook will be radically different from last year. In light of that and your limited observations of practice, other than more downfield passing and less reliance on a dominant tight end, are there any other ways the Parker offense is likely to be significantly different? I think they're going to play with a higher tempo. I think we've talked about this a little bit. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very confident that they're going to play with a, a greater tempo. Uh, I believe it was estimate the other day talking about that a little bit when asked specifically about tempo. And I understand where Tommy Reese was coming from, but you know, man, it's hard to maintain momentum when you're when you're taking that approach. And they were they were trying to compensate for some of the shortcomings elsewhere. But I think to me, that's, that will probably be one of the bigger things. Uh, RPOs, I think will be much more extensive. Those would be the two things that come to mind for me. I mean, downfield throws. We had the, the full open practice showed very little evidence of throwing the football downfield. That was one, one thing O'Leary mentioned that really like was like an alarm bell was like, man, you could really practice more against deep ball uh, when you have a quarterback who's throwing the deep ball. Deep so ball. <laughs> um, that, and it's like, I don't think that's a change in offensive philosophy. It's just like the personnel is better or it's different and different. Um, it's both those things. So it's like, I'm not sure how much of like, you know, quote unquote Parker offense, this is going to be um, because it's, it's like Sam Hartman, of course you're going to call the game differently. You know, no Michael Mayer, of course you're going to call the game differently. So it, you know, no Jared Patterson, you're going to call the game differently that way too, a little bit. So um, I think the offense will be, will be different, but it it may say more about the personnel changes than, than the coordinator change. Yeah, I agree with the RPOs part. Uh, Tempo is interesting, Tim. I'd like, I, well, they won't be slower because. They, yeah, I'm not, that, I'm not that saying you're going to run but, tempo per se. I just don't think that you're going to see the slowdown. No, there's, and and there's far, no reason for it. it right. And tough. as far as not seeing a lot of deep ball during the open practice, I, th- in on reflecting on that, I think that was by design. And, oh, probably true. Yeah. And I want, I would like to point out that I don't think Tommy Reese wanted to play that slow. He felt he had to. Agreed. And it okay. made it boring, but I felt I don't think he made, wanted it to be boring. It just had to be boring. It's just what they had. They didn't trust their wide receivers f- until about a- a Halloween. Well, you shouldn't have to go slow with Hartman as your quarterback. I no. mean, 
you know, I mean, he's going to be in the program for months and months and months. I realize not live game stuff, but by the time they, by the time they go to Navy, I'm sure he's going to be yeah, quite adept at running Jared Parker's offense. And you don't have to worry about tempo with your quarterback. And that was, I mean, that was, a, that was an issue. Right. I, there it were just, other it, issues that led to the slower tempo. That was one of them. There's the just not an idea. Like, why would you play tempo with Drew Pine? Right. Like that. It doesn't to have more plays of Drew Pine is not to your advantage. <laughs> yeah, you know true. what I mean? It's not, I, like, I don't mean that as a slight on Drew Pine, but like that wasn't what was best about Notre Dame's offense. Like if you want to run a tempo run game, I guess that you could, but that's not what we think of when we think of tempo. You're you're chucking around, you're doing RPOs, and that was just not really what Notre Dame's strength was. And I think there was occasionally, not to belabor last year's offense at all, there was occasionally tempo run. There just wasn't tempo pass. Like when they would get a big play, they would get right up to the line and attack. That was it's it was yeah. it was selective tempo. It just people don't remember it because everything else was so slow. It just did not seem like there was any tempo involved. But speaking of Navy, Carrie J asks, Navy always worries me. By the way, this is not 2010. I just want to point out to Kerry J. Do you think the 2023 ND defense is better prepared to handle the Navy option than last year's group? I mean, we'll insert say... the guy missing the game or Tim Priester, insert the guy missing from last year's game. Uh, help me. JD Bertrand. Bertrand. Oh, geez. Uh, of course. Um, like, I didn't feel like Notre Dame's defense came out unprepared. They didn't uh, have their best well, player against the option. <laughs> well, true. Right, right. I mean, Navy had under 100 yards rushing at halftime. What happened was the offense couldn't stay on the field for more than three plays in the second half. Uh, it should have been running more tempo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then Navy's, you know, and then Navy, I mean, they hit a couple passes too. I I mean, it's a legitimate question. I guess maybe, you know, I, I would I would phrase the question, will they be better prepared to make adjustments to Navy's option as the game goes along? To me, there was more that than that in addition to the offense really struggling. But, you know, I mean, I think I think as we look at the L Golden era at Notre Dame in year two, you would hope that a lot of things are right are better. And, and L Golden's a good football coach. He's a smart guy. And I would think that he will be better prepared for things like Navy triple option, et cetera. Oh, they did a good job of it, though, right? And it, it, yeah. And overall, I think it's worth remembering Bertrand is out there. I can't remember who else they were missing, but they, they ended up having to move. They were going to play Kaiser at safety in that game. Right. And then they had to move him to linebacker at the last yeah. minute yeah. Um, because Tui Halamaka was just like not totally like with it um, in his first game against Navy. So that's like. They had all sorts like uh, over for what they had to deal with from an injury point of view. I thought they did a nice job. They um, did. It was, I mean, Kali and Tui Halamaka had never seen that before ever. And JD Bertrand was going to destroy Fafana at fullback. It's a, it's a giant difference. Yeah, and he just yeah. gashed the hell out of them there uh, a couple times. There's no doubt. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, I just think, I think second time through for Al Golden yeah. and a healthy, healthy linebacking core. That was what I was starting to say that uh, in the, preview for Athlon some people are probably going to read that and say what who the hell wrote this what I think Notre Dame's linebackers are good I I think they're generally good now if you're it's hard to tackle guys when your defensive line when you have to reach through your own defensive lineman getting pushed back in into you and that happened sometimes when they when they lost um JD Bertrand on the field against Navy's triple option you're you're in, you're in good shape and, and Jack Kaiser as well Next question, ND Quebec. Any word on Clarence Lewis moving to safety? Uh, no. And I mean, I, I look, I, I said it at one point as well. And Tim, I know that you're still kind of on that bandwagon, but you you can't you can't do it. Well, first of all, I'm I mean, not I'm he, not on that band. I'm not on the bandwagon. Okay. I think Clarence Lewis is better than I think he's their third best corner until I see Christian Gray. So I don't want to move him. And he's and he's if Harper's hurt, okay, and Harper tends to get hurt because he's a little guy just throwing his body all around, and and Lewis is your is your backup nickel. Now Harper right now is your number four safety. So if you move Lewis there, you're gonna move Lewis there to be your number five safety. He's never played the position. 
Lewis is too important to them at corner. I, I think you have yeah. to, if you want another body there, you've got to get somebody in a portal upon the conclusion of spring. I don't think, I don't think moving Clarence Lewis to safety is the right thing for Nordame secondary. Uh, I agree. I get, I'm a little surprised they didn't try it. To see it, to see Cross if it training. was the right thing or not. Cross training, um, I get you, Pete. Yeah, and maybe they did, and we just don't know about it. But um, I'm not. Su- I let me put it this way: if they tried it and it wasn't a match, that wouldn't have surprised me either. I just thought that they would have tried it. I think that's fair. To, I think that's a fair comment. Yeah. And I and when people, uh, Tim, I know you mentioned Ryan Barnes as a possibility, and that's what I thought when he was recruited. He might move to safety. Yeah, they're not um, going to do that either. No, maybe he's finally settled into being a guy they could put on the field at corner. That's 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 good too. That having yeah. great cornerback depth is a good thing. Um, they're they're going to get a portal safety. Marcus Freeman basically announced it. Chris O'Leary echoed it, and yeah. it's pretty obvious you need one. I don't know. We don't we don't know who that is right now, but no, that's okay. I mean, the he's better than I bet he's better at safety than Ryan Barnes. And probably well, apparently because they did they did try Barnes back there, and if yeah. it was a it was a great option for them, and Christian Gray was showing out, and they don't need Barnes at, at corner anymore. I would imagine they would do that. I, I've said this many times that, you know, my first reaction, when, when you see something that you don't understand it, my first reaction is to say, okay, what what are the things that the coaching staff is considering in in making that decision when it seems so obvious to us that they should make the decision as opposed to they're screwing up. I'm not saying that that they don't make mistakes in terms of personnel choices, but these guys are, you know, they're pretty educated coaches that have been through it. And they're looking at this. Like we think we scour this program and this roster. Imagine what they go through on a, on a daily basis. So, I mean, there has to be a reason behind it. And I, to me, I don't, you can't take Lewis away from corner slash uh, nickel. You can't, he's too important to them. He's too experienced. He's been through it. And and here's the other thing. Cam Hart is one hit away from not yes. playing. That's the main, that's I mean, my, has he had three shoulder surgeries? Yeah. That you, you just, you can't do it. That like, I realize that they're in a bad situation because Peyton Bowen didn't come there and Brandon Hillman isn't either. Um, You know, you would have had, I guess you wouldn't have had, would you have had Minnick if you had, I don't know, whatever, but it, it, I just don't see how it, I don't see how that works. Uh, question from Brian underscore Gillum. If Rocco Spindler doesn't win one of the guard spots, does he move over to the defensive line for added depth? I don't see why he wouldn't just be a guard, a backup guard. No, I, I same. There's no way he's a better defensive lineman than Donovan Heinish and Tyson Ford. Well, we're also not taking into consideration that you have, I mean, you have four, you, you have four freshman defensive linemen coming in. One of them's already here, but Devin Houston's not practicing. So, yeah, you know, you have Treyre and you have Mookum and you have Vernon and you have Houston. So we can't really evaluate the depth there right now because they don't have any of those guys. They don't need depth. They just need, I think, playoff level players in there they have plenty of depth they have plenty of fine backup defensive linemen yeah and Spindler's not he's not going to win a starting job on offense he's right not. so yeah that's I mean speaking to the defensive line depth hey Naya can't get on the field no. he might not be on the roster you might not be on the roster you're not moving somebody when you have that guy that you don't right yeah I don't I mean I you know, I tried to study Kanaina in the fully full open practice, and I he's stout, man. He's big and he's strong, and that's what you need in the nose. But he's not very maneuverable side to side. Um, I don't know. I think we may have been you and I, O'Malley. Yeah, you know, may have been a little bit overly hopeful for what his. And again, one I was watching one full practice, and so maybe he's been tearing it up since then i don't know uh but quinn murphy was more impressive in the full full open practice at guard he's been around a while quinn murphy he has been around yeah. a while i was actually kind of surprised to see that he's he was still, still out there huh? on the roster. he's not bad he's really really he's not bad 
Quinn Murphy makes the podcast along with uh, Lawrence Keys today. Pretty good. <laughs> who, else, who else can we work in here? <clears throat> or you got Ben Harrison. So. Ben, yeah, <laughs> yeah, Ben. We could work Benjamin Harrison in here. Question from Panthers twenty three twenty three, and this is a safeties question. What is more likely? DJ Brown takes a page out of Asmar Bilal's playbook and becomes an integral starter in his final year. I want to insert, we rated Asmar Bilal top five player his final year at the end of the year, by the way. Xavier Watts takes a Tavon Coney size step forward during his junior year. I should point out he was their best defensive player that junior year. Thomas Harper is Notre Dame's next to Lohi Gilman or Notre Dame finds it's next to Lohi Gilman in the portal without having to sit out. Uh, I'm I'm very bullish on Xavier Watts. I think he's ready to take a huge step up for Notre Dame. I, I think Notre Dame expects him to take a huge step up. I think Xavier Watts expects of himself to take a, a significant step up. Now you're talking about, you know, I DJ Brown's not a world beater, but he does have experience. He needs to tackle better. He's a smart guy on the back end of the defense in terms of positioning where he fits. He's just got to be more consistent as a tackler. I think Xavier Watts for me is the, I mean, I wouldn't, I don't think any of the other three are going to happen because I think Harper is not, I mean, the next Alohi Gilman, I thought Alohi Gilman was a, was a pretty damn good to great college safety. Um, and I, you know, we're saying here that they will get a safety in the portal, but I don't see him being an Alohi Gilman level player. I would say uh, Watts as Coney, number one. Pretty big distance between that and Brown as Bilal as number two. But, I mean, hey, look, you have to figure in, how did we feel about Asmar Bilal at this time? We're like, oh, they can't can't go with Asmar Bilal. Like, that's that's just not going to work. Um, and then it did. And then another huge distance between the two Gilman things, uh, out of respect to Alohi Gilman, who was the freaking baller at Notre Dame and is playing in the NFL. I just, that, that's a man. You just don't find people built uh, physically or mentally like a Lohi Gilman um, very often. And Notre Dame was fortunate to have him for a couple of years, but it, it's hard for me to pigeonhole Thomas Harper or a undetermined transfer as being like a Lohi Gilman. Cause there just aren't people like a Lohi Gilman. If you could put a Lohi Gilman's mindset in the heads of, you know, I mean, because let's face it, I mean, physically, physically, he doesn't have a ton going for him. Um, I mean, other than he's a very physical player, but I mean, he, he, his mindset was second to none. I loved talking to him and watching him play because you knew that he absolutely believed that he was the best player on the field. And that's why Navy is such a pain in the ass to play. Yeah. He played the way you feel everyone should play when you watch a football game and you want to strangle someone playing safety over the last few years, you think, why aren't you all like Alohi Gilman? But they're just, they're just not, they are not like Alohi Gilman. When you get to the NFL, they're not even all like Alohi Gilman. They're incredibly talented, but you know, they're still not that way. It's a special case. So um, I don't think DJ Brown can be a top six Notre Dame player next year. So I, I can't come on board with that one. But Xavier Watts would be listed as in probably every single writer's summer as a potential breakout player. So I got to go with Xavier Watts yeah. by a by a wide margin too. You know, a Cy Gilman, who's a Lohi's father, would absolutely tell you that it's a that it's a cultural thing uh, with his mindset, and um, and I believe that that's true. But loved loved the way that a Lohi Gilman played for Notre Dame. There were times when he wasn't, you know, he wasn't physically capable of being better but he always maximized his ability by the way i want to throw out that i actually think a distant number two is they find a really good not a lohi gilman but a really good portal safety this summer because they did that with nick mcleod he was a second string all acc when he joined and that's possible i don't think other things are possible i don't i don't see possibilities yeah i i mean i agree with you tim but I'm just having a hard time picturing it. And we know the first time we saw Nick McLeod film, it was like, seriously, they're bringing a starter in. This guy's good. He was a captain. He was a captain for NC state. NC state's want to get was, is going to want to get revenge for. For Nick, Nick McLeod. McLeod. That's right. For Notre yes. Dame going to the playoffs with that. All Nick McLeod. Yeah. Question from pink robots. Whose boss is happier 
with their hire at the end of the 2023 season? Tommy Reese's boss or Jared Parker's boss? Uh, Jared Parker's maybe. boss, because Tommy Reese has to win a national title for his boss to be happy yeah. about it. So he's got to be happy. Even then, Even like then. that's debatable. So I think it's definitely Jared Parker's boss because he's his boss is generally happier <laughs> by a long shot. Yeah, by a long shot. It'll be interesting. I mean, I, we don't have much time during the season to keep an eye on too many other things, but I will be very interested. To <laughs> that's see a great one. Though, the offensive like, productivity of Tommy Reese's offense is who's, who's going to be happier. Uh, <laughs> Joe Girard's current coach, wherever he goes, or his former coach at the end of the year. Well, it's not going to be Jimmy Beheim, no matter what happens. So I think that uh, that's a great point, Pete. It's going to be his new boss. Um, I like the Jared Parker hire. I want to go back. Um, the, the big bonus of the Jared Parker hire was buried in a question here. It would be a terrible idea to hire Jared Parker and have him revamp the entire offense, as opposed to go with what these guys know and then tweak it as he goes along. That's yeah, I absolutely. never once thought he was going to change the offense other than RPOs and downfield. Throws. I mean, I think it's going to be really difficult for us to say, okay, this aspect of Jared Parker's offense is going to be different until we see him in a game. They're going yeah. to, we're going to see one full practice at the start of August. And will we get another one? We'll get another one. Yeah, we, I know. We won't. I mean, we may not, we may not, you know. <laughs> not. So I mean, to say that that's why I say. They weren't throwing the deep ball in that spring practice a couple Saturdays ago. And I'm just thinking, come on, man. I mean, this has got to, this has to be by plan, especially if O'Leary's saying, hey, we get to practice against it. And Nordane's put out some videos of, of the deep ball throws and stuff. But uh, right, right. That's, that's what Hartman does well. Uh, we've agreed that it's a great compliment to a powerful running game, the downfield throw. I mean, the significant downfield throw and I, I would anticipate that but I don't I don't think we're going to know the nuances and tweaks of Parker's offense until we see some games early on and then maybe certainly not fully after seeing the Navy and Tennessee State games final question and I have my answer if you guys do as you all know very annually I give you this answer Mr. Irish Red what is the most overblown thing about spring ball well um depth charts I mean, it used to it used to be you didn't have any of your freshman class in. Now you get about half of it, so you get a you get a little bit better of a depth chart. But uh, depth charts, it really doesn't matter a whole hell of a lot right now. What we see, what we think we see, what is reality, that kind of stuff is overblown. That would the be that'd be high on my list. Uh, man, the oh, the blue cook. The, the blue final gold quarter of the blue-gold game is really the answer, though. Uh, I mean, it's how many – Steve Angeli's game-winning touchdown run last year, like that 0, 0.0 relevance for anything moving forward, which is fine. <laughs> That's just like how things go um, when you get into the blue-gold game. Uh, and then I'd, I'd give us an honorable mention to the question of, did anything you see change your record projection? Um for Notre Dame football in the fall based on what you saw in the spring. Cause like that is an impossible question. I don't, I don't like saying that in August. I will never say that in April ever, <laughs> ever. Now you a can, challenge you to you CMU Pets fans though. to ask, ask this question next week. I do believe you can say that in August. I think we've, I think we, when we change it, we're wrong. We go high instead of low. If you ever think you should go lower, you're probably right. That is one thing. If you watch all of August and you think, uh, no, that's not as good as I thought you are. You, that is probably right. I remember the first Brian Kelly, August, and I'm watching Dane Christ. I'm like, what the hell is wrong with this offense? And I refuse. I was like, no, 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 they'll be good. <laughs> no, well, there's a lot wrong with that offense. Well, the whole, the, the whole Tyler Buckner accuracy on day one last yeah. year was that 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 was kind well, of well how about movie. brandon wimbush we did yeah. we, we were watching brandon that. wimbush bounce the ball and we're like oh he's got yeah yeah <laughs> oh my god that was that was unbelievable that was that was unbelievable okay o'malley let's uh, real quick uh because we did have a question about it and we didn't have, we didn't use it and it guarantee it'll be out next week and i'll skip it again uh <laughs> because of the irrelevance of it i guess i'm not very fun when it comes to picking some of these questions but blue gold game Standouts. Um, 
First of all, can you I guys mean, remember surprise, the score? From, can you guys remember the score from last year's blue blue goal oh. game? It was thirteen to ten, and that thirteenth point came on a diving touchdown by Steve Angelic, right. which That's is right. kind of shocking. Yeah, um, I'm going to go with Andrew Yanishek scoring his second career blue goal game <laughs> touchdown next year, next week, two weeks from now, whenever. I don't care when the game is; I just want it to be over as soon as it starts. It's the least I'll important be. practice. They show they would not show a single thing to anybody. <laughs> We've always called this the uh, Junior Jabby Award. Yes. Charles Stafford, uh, Pete, you probably don't remember that one. Five touchdowns. I, I only remember him. I feel like I saw it only because it's talked about so much. Yeah, yeah. Five TDs, Junior okay. Jabby, great game. Anybody Jabron, else? Yeah, Jabron Payne, as O'Malley noted earlier. Oh, yeah, good call. There, I. It's hard for me to believe that um, one – there will be a freshman skill position player. It could be Kenny Minchie, could be one of the three receivers, could be Christian Gray. Um, some, it probably won't be Christian Gray because I think it's probably too high up in the pecking order, but I think one of those freshman receivers will roast some unsuspecting walk-on DB and will be like, oh my God, this guy is going to play a huge role this fall. So I'll, I'll go with a, a TBD Flores Braylon James, Jaden Greyhouse, one of those three guys will do something and people will like lose their minds over it. All right, we're going to wrap up. Stick it with Yanishek. Yeah, that was, that's a good one. That's a good one. Just from, just from last year. Was it last year? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. He scored one of the, he scored one of the touchdowns. Darian Price had the long one. one Yep, yep, yep. All right, we're going to wrap up with that. We'll be back on Thursday, April 13th with podcast. We'll have uh, interviews on Wednesday, no practice access. Our practice access will come on Friday, April 14th, first five periods, um, which generally ends up being a body count with just five periods of practice. But we'll do the best that we can. Until then, this has been Irish Illustrated Insider.